and heard in me, that's what you're supposed to do. That really makes me stop and think, what are, what are our young people seeing and hearing in us if that's what they're supposed to do? Amen. Would you pray with me real fast just there where you're seated? Lord, we thank you for your presence that we feel here today. Lord, we're thankful for your, your spirit, Lord, that's here ministering and moving in our, in our midst. Jesus, we pray, Lord, that you continue to have your way. Continue, Lord, to touch lives and speak to us. We give you thanks for it, Lord God. We give you thanks for it today, Lord Jesus. God, have your way today. Continue, Lord, to let your spirit operate. Continue, Lord, to let your word operate. We long for your presence more than anything, Jesus. We need the working of your spirit more than anything, Lord. Jesus, have your way today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to invite Brother Joey Charles. I asked him this morning if he would share with us whatever the Lord has, has given him to share with us. Amen. Brother Charles. Thank you. Uh, quick, uh, I guess, message. My wife um, says thank you for her prayers and um, all of that. She's uh, just getting over a sickness. So and she just want to thank you guys for keeping her in prayer. Um, I was brought to my attention a few years ago that I'm very, like, nasally. And then when I'm sick, I'm like very, very nasally, so bear with me, guys. But um, as Elder Flowers was mentioning earlier about our children, um, you know, kind of get me, had me thinking a little bit, and I just want to take a few minutes of your time, but he, he mentioned a, uh, you know, being raised, and really made me think of as, as like parents, as, as you go about and you have your, your new baby and you, you know, they're holding them in your arms. It's, it's world-changing. Um, I have four kiddos, and as I was raising our first one, it came really evident that it's not about me anymore. Um, just a little different. Uh, but it's, everything's about them. Like, that little child, that's everything. I mean, they cry. Hey, hold on. You know, hang tight. I'll be right there. And that doesn't work that way. As they get older, we start to see maybe some of that. But when they're first brand new... It's baby, 100%. What do they need? My life circles, and it's wrapped around all of their needs. And really started thinking about my personal life of growing up. You know, if you think about your infant stages, you get bigger, and you're more independent, and you're learning those things. And for me, it was still all about me. And then I met my wife. As we were dating, I realized, like, it's a little different now. We got married, and it wasn't about me anymore. It started to be about us. And when we had kids, it wasn't about just us anymore. It was about all of us. And I just realized, you know, as we get older, this, ourselves, the individual part of us, it really starts to disappear. Um, we talk about, I think, in the Bible a lot about, um, you know, not my will, Lord, but yours. And I think for the most part, I mean, the idea of understanding that is a lot easier than maybe doing it. But I think we can understand that. It's not me, it's you, Lord. But I think the Lord was really turning in my heart in the last few weeks about, it's not just that, it's even more uh, deeper than, than you think. It's not even just about me and you, it's about your neighbor. Um, I'm going back to school, and, and one of the things that I'm learning about in class is that there's kind of a couple, I mean, there's a lot of different theories and all that stuff, but in education, there's a lot of, uh, like, mindsets, and there's just kind of like a this or that. And one, one viewpoint is that it's kind of individual. So you think about you. What am I going to earn? What am I going to get? My grades, my thoughts. Is this going to affect me, me, me? And another one is more of, like, um, collective, like a community. So is this going to affect my family? Yeah, I, I can't do the homework because I have chores to do. I have to go to work for my family. And... You know, it made me really think to myself, like, man, how much do we know who our neighbors are? And I did a quick look at uh, the term neighbor, and just so you know, it's King James. So I typed in neighbor, and I'm like, there's no neighbors in the Bible. Now it's O-U-R instead of O-R. So I had to learn that part. But I did a little look, and I just want to know what a neighbor is. 
Um, and one of the definitions described it as, according to Christ, any other man, irrespective or regardless of where they came from, of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we chance to meet. So if you go outside and there's somebody walking their dog and you make eye contact or you s- guess who's your neighbor? You got a new neighbor. Um, I think sometimes in the carnal we like to think of, you know, that person next to us. And, you know, a lot of those things where the Lord will illuminate uh, in our lives a natural thing to understand a spiritual thing. And so for my neighbors, I think, oh, oh my neighbors. Yeah. I've, had some, I've had some good ones, but I've had some, some neighbors, if you guys know. And, you know, it makes us kind of think uh, probably not the right way that the, the word talks about that. And so I picture myself thinking, man, how much do I uh, get to involve my neighbors, uh, the people that I come across to, the people that are trying to be blessings in my life? Because I don't know if you've looked around and you think about things in our world, but it's very self-oriented. You know, if I'm wanting to take a picture of myself right now, it's called a selfie, right? There's a lot of things. And as we, we remember growing up from a baby, it's all around us. And it's like, as we get older, we have to learn how to not be us and not focus on us so much. And it's really hard because we've been raised that way. We've been raised to think about me. Um, thinking about your own lives and other responsibilities you have. I mean, jobs, it's less about you. You might have a cool title, but I would even venture to say the more people know you and the more maybe you would think of an earthly stature you get, the less it becomes of you even more so, because people are going to say, hey, man, that person's so good, they're the best, and, you know, that's where you go, yeah, totally, right? Or you go, no, it's not me, it's you guys. It's the people I work with, it's it's you, it's my neighbors. Um, and so it made me really start to to analyze that and just to think about that, and, you know, I, I challenge us to, to look at our life a little differently, you know, we, we're very, very good at that, and you know, being in a, holding a microphone, being up here, I think the best thing is that the Lord gets to minister to me first and, and really get to see that. But, you know, it challenges me, and I want you guys to look at that too and, and open up your neighbors because when we, we look at blessings, I don't know if you guys have uh, ever thought about it like this, but have you ever thrown your own self like a party? Like you did something really good, and you're like, man, I did so awesome. I'm going to get myself my own cake, and it's going to say congratulations on being awesome or whatever. Um <laughs> It's probably not as cool or appreciative as when somebody else does it for you. You know, if you walk in and you're like, for me? Oh, that's right, because I bought it. Uh, It's probably not as cool as being surprised, right? And so it makes me think of of that. You know, if I'm doing my part scripturally and, and I'm praying, who am I supposed to pray for? I pray for blessings on others. And when they get the blessings... You know, if they were to take that and say, thank you, Lord, I pray blessings on others and others, then guess who's going to get taken care of eventually? You will, but it won't be because you decided it. It won't be because you said, you know, Lord, I'm feeling I need a blessing now. I haven't got one in a while. Let me just pray for that. No, it's let me pray for someone else first. And as that goes and that starts to minister, when you receive that blessing, pay it forward by blessing others through your prayers and lifting them up. So um, just wanted to share that with you guys. Thank you. God bless. Hebrews chapter 6. I promise you, if you stay with us today, you'll hear what the Lord is saying. He wants to speak to us, and he's already started. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the principles. Everybody say principles. The principles are the things you learn first. Wherever you're at, whatever setting you're in, there's, there's a set of principles. If you don't, if you don't know that set of principles, you're going uh, to feel awkward. I'll put it that way. You're going you're gonna to be the one that's, why don't I belong here? Why is, why is everything strange here? Those of us that have started uh, a new job can remember back to that first day, that first week. Uh, this, is, this is recent to me, so I can identify exactly with what it feels like to walk in and not know the principles. 
not at the school, not knowing the principal. That's something different. <clears throat> but when you when you don't know the 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 basics, that's another word for it, of what happens in this, it, it, whatever setting you're in, then you're just kind of you're you're already at a disadvantage in that that way. I'll give you I'll give you a little example. Um, as much as the Lord will allow me to talk about this, you probably will be hearing about it. Uh, but at my new job at the courthouse, I work on the floor where all the courtrooms are and just right outside where all of the judges sit and all the commissioners. So I get to see them on a somewhat frequent basis. And I learned right away, you don't, you don't call the judge Mr. or Mrs. I mean, you can. But there's, there's, there's this kind of in, in, inner set of principles or, no, that's the judge. We call him judge or your honor uh, or her. We call her your honor or judge. It's kind of like, hey, how are you doing today, sir? Nope. Hey, how are you doing today, judge? That's, that's, and I caught on to this part of the lingo real fast. But the problem was I didn't know who all the judges were. <clears throat> there's eight of them up in the superior court and they don't all work at the same place at the same time. And so the first thing that I did was I took out on my whiteboard and wrote all the names of those eight because I don't want to be somebody that doesn't know who they are and how to properly address them. So that's an example of what the principles are. Okay, you're in that environment. You at least need to know those basic things. So here we're talking about the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now that that second word in the verse probably would scare a lot of people or probably would even seem a little strange because it says leaving. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Okay, hang on a second. No, we don't like to leave. We like to stay. We like to remain, maintain. Keep things the same. That's, that's our comfort level. That's our comfort zone. And so we talk about leaving. I don't know what it is we're leaving, but I don't, I'm already not for it because I like to stay. That's our human nature. We like things that are comfortable to us, right? But it says, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto, what's that next word? Say it again. Go on unto perfection. Okay, so we clearly have two levels in that first little phrase. We've got the principal level, and we've got the perfection level. You see that? And what does the Scripture say we're supposed to do? Leave one level and go to another level. Leaving the principles. Go on unto perfection. <clears throat> Stay with me, because like I said, the Lord's already started talking about what He wants to do with us today. Go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation. If you, if you picture a, a, a new building site in your mind, new construction. Uh, most of us, probably uh, those of us that live in, in and around Yakima can remember, I think it was sometime last year, the start of last year, they tore down that McDonald's that's right on Knob Hill and First. It's kind of the main one. Whether you're going towards Union Gap, you see it. Whether you're coming from, you always see it. Well, they tore that down. Does anybody remember that or am I making that up? No, they tore it down. And what they did was they tore it down to build another one, right? They remodeled it. Got it all nice and fancy inside with those buttons you have to push yourself and order. Man, let's talk, talk about upset the apple cart. That will uh, change a lot of things. But so they remodeled this. But you picture, remember when it was nothing. It was just the slab there. They, they, they literally, they took out every wall down to the ground. So imagine, if you would, every day that those workers showed up, they just poured more concrete. Day two, more concrete. Day three, more. Week one, concrete. Week two, concrete. Week four, concrete. Phase two, more concrete. On to phase three. What's that? More concrete. We're just we're pouring the foundation. 
And that's all that they did. If that's all that they did, we'd just see a big, tall piece of concrete there. No french fries. <laughs> I want to get to the french fries. <laughs> uh, but So he says, not laying again the foundation. Because once the foundation is laid, its part is done. Right? Its part is done. The foundation is laid. So not laying again the foundation. And then he lists here, the writer of Hebrews lists the things that make up the foundation. Okay, if I remember correctly, I think there's six of them uh, that he lists here consecutively. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Those are part of the foundation. Repentance, that's a part of the foundation. Faith towards God, that's a part of the foundation. Next verse. Of the doctrine of baptisms, that's a part of the foundation. And of laying on of hands. <laughs> that's a funny part of the foundation because you go up to somebody that's never been to church, never read the read about the Bible or knows about that part of the foundation. Oh, we have a doctrine of laying on of hands. And you go up to him in Walmart, and this is just a part of the doctrine. Wait a second. What is going on there? No, that's it's part of the doctrine. It's part of the foundation, right? It is a part of the foundation. Laying on of hands. And of resurrection of the dead. Man, he's, he's, this is a pretty broad foundation, okay? We got repentance in there. That in itself is a big one. Faith towards God. That's kind of like everything, right? Believing of God, knowing who he is and having faith in him. That's part of the foundation. And the baptism thing and the laying on of hands thing and the baptisms, doctrine of baptisms. Now, we, we get, the, we get the, the, the silly analogy that we know that we're not just going to pour concrete every day when we show up to work, okay? Well, likewise, we're not just going to come here and every day for the rest of time preach about baptism, right? We're not going to do it. I've been around church long enough to know in my 30, what are we, 33 years. This is past August, right? Yeah, 33 years. In my 33 years, I know <clears throat> that we don't just preach about any one of these things every time we show up. Okay? If that was the case, we'd be the baptism experts and be able to go anywhere and just preach about baptism or just say all the scripture examples of why we lay on hands. Okay? Or any one of these things. That's part of the foundation. The resurrection of the dead. That's another one. There's a, did you know, most of you probably know this, there are entire chapters of the Bible devoted to resurrection of the dead, explaining it, uh, defining it, saying why. Paul dealt with a lot of the groups that he wrote with, wrote to, he wrote to them about resurrection of the dead. It was a big part of everything that he had to say. In fact, I want to say it's Acts, uh, I'm going to get in trouble, 10 or 11. No, not 10, uh, 11 or 12. Actually, it's 13. It just hit me. <laughs> Acts chapter 13, Paul uses the resurrection of the dead as his defense or his explanation of who Jesus was. Because he's talking in the temple to a bunch of priests that know all about the Old Testament and he says, you remember this guy, David, the one that you all are basically exalting above his measure? David died. And what Paul says, he rotted in the grave. Man, that's it's not a pretty picture, but it's especially uh, not a pretty picture to the to the people that have such reverence for him. I, I, I won't take the time. <laughs> I, I won't take the time to do this or, or try to try to uh, um, set this picture. But if you had one person that I knew was your favorite person in history, this is just we talk about that individual and you love them. And then I just got up and said, you know what? They're dead in the grave. They're rotting. They're stinky. 
their corpses. That's what Paul does to talk about David, but he says it so he can explain there was one who came and died, but arose from the grave. And that resurrection was kind of his, his ultimate example or definition, explanation of who Jesus was. It, because he's talking to these priests, and the priests know that the Old Testament prophesies that you will not let your beloved see death. Okay, well, he died, but he didn't rot in the grave. That's the beloved. That's the one we're talking about. Okay, so, so Paul had that understanding of that principle. That, found, that was part of his foundation, this resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This is the one I mentioned earlier about my child upbringing, my childhood in the church. This is the one that would get the children. You talk about heaven and hell. You talk about not wanting to go to hell. Well, why, why would somebody do that? It's part of the eternal judgment. That's, that's part of the foundation, okay? Now, what I'm not saying is anytime anybody gets up and preaches about any one of these things, they're wrong. Okay, obviously, that's not the case. It's in the Bible, and we need to know the whole Bible. So I always want to hear what the Lord has to say to me in that setting. But the point here of why he lists out these principles is to say all of that is a part of the foundation. All of that are the principles. So you come here your first week, day one. That's kind of a heavy course, but day one you get all that stuff. That's why we do Bible studies for new converts or to try and win somebody. We teach them these things so they can have this knowledge and then go from there. It's not supposed to start and stop there. Understand. That is the foundation. You get that. It's, it's, it's knowledge and it's revelation. It's really interesting because we, we, we think revelation and, oh, man, i got to be in the church for 20 years before I can have a revelation. Or, no, there's that one revelation of the oneness of Jesus. Okay, and thankfully I've had that, so I'm good on the revelation part of it. No. Everything the Lord does is to bring revelation to us, to show us. If you walk with the Lord and you know, the Lord just showed me something. The Lord just revealed this to me. That's revelation. So this, that revelation is a key part of this knowledge that we're talking about. I would dare say it's necessary. Otherwise, we will be here talking about baptisms for the next 30 years. We will be here talking about resurrection for the next 30, 40, 50, 70 years. If you don't get the understanding of it, the revelation of it, to be shown. Okay, so go back to verse 1 again, because this is what it says. What do we do after we get that? What do we do after we have that knowledge, that understanding, those principles? You go on unto perfection. And I also got to say this. Because in our minds, we think, okay, well, the, the one that has perfection knows those six principles inside out. That's, uh, so I got, in order to get to perfection, I got to know all of those things inside out, frontwards and backwards. Be able to quote them, recite them, give you book, chapter, and verse for every principle. If I can do that, then I'm perfect. That's not what he's saying. Leaving all of that means not fixating on all of that, okay? Not focusing on all of that. My focus is supposed to be shifting from these doctrines, these principles, to something else. What else? What is it supposed to be shifting to my focus? Look at Colossians chapter 3. 
I'm going to do a little bit of reading here, but this is going to be about as practical as we can make this perfection thing, going on unto perfection. Okay? Colossians chapter 3, this is Paul writing. Verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Okay, he's talking about seeking something. Now, in Hebrews 6, we said you're going to leave those principles and go on to perfection. And in here in Colossians 3, saying you're seeking the things that are above. Verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affection. This is the fixating part, the, what I'm focusing on. I, now, I just want to make sure I'm clear. I love the doctrine. You won't find a lot of people that like hearing it and reading it more than me and just getting, because every, like I said, it's a revelation. Every time I seek the Lord and he shows me something more, I appreciate that. And I love it. And it becomes something. It's truth. We use that word, truth. Truth encompasses everything that I was just talking about in Hebrews. The repentance, the faith, the laying of hands, the baptism, all that is truth. We love truth, right? One scripture says, by the truth. And sell it not. But here it says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 3, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ. If, you're, if your affections are still on things on the earth, you're not dead yet. I'm not, I'm not just talking about mortal, you have life or not. We're talking about the spiritual man. If the spiritual man is still setting his affections on things of the earth, he's not dead and his life's not hid with Christ. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life. Everybody say life. He is our life, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Verse 5, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetous, which is idolatry. These, these, are, these are a part of those things that we're supposed to mortify on the earth. Okay, mortify, therefore, your members. Verse six, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. The, what that means is the wrath of God exists because of those things in verse five. You understand that the wrath of God exists because of those things we listed. And they're on the children of disobedience. Next verse. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. This is, this is again Paul writing to the church in Colossians. And he says, you lived in these things. How did he know that? He's the apostle. He was there. He had his feet on the ground in Colossians. Okay? He was there with these individuals. He reached them. He taught them those principles that we talked about first. So he knows that they came out of all of that evil. Which things you were in when you lived in them. Verse 8. But now, everybody say now. now. Say it with faith. Now. now. Now ye also put off all these 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. What? I promise you when we get there, you'll see where we're going. I'm not trying to keep you in the dark. I just want you to know what we're talking about is going on to perfection. What we're talking about is reaching the point of completion, okay? To be complete, to have attained that which we are supposed to attain and reach our goal. Let me, let me, draw, let me, let me give you this illustration. Because we hear that word perfect and we automatically shut off. At least I do sometimes. Because I know I'm not perfect. I can't be perfect. I'm a human being. Humans aren't perfect. That's right. The good news is we're not supposed to be perfect in the sense of having never done something wrong. Okay? Perfect is in the sense of having reached and attained your goal. I'll use Brother, Brother Joey Charles as an example who spoke. He's a teacher now. I remember when he wasn't a teacher. Most of us remember when he wasn't a teacher. It was just a goal of his. He was working towards it. He wanted to be. In this sense, he was not yet perfect. He was not yet complete because he hadn't attained the goal. But then we remember how excited he was when he got those letters that said, you're now a teacher. That is the example of what we're talking about here. You have reached, you have attained that completion. Okay? A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, tests, things that we do now, are electronic. And... I, I was, when I was in school, I was blessed and lucky enough to be one of those that they call the good test takers. I wasn't a smart kid. I just knew how to take a test. Now that, we're, now that everything's electronic, I feel like I've lost a lot of that because when I start a test, the first thing I want to know is what's the end? What's the end of this? And you can't click through four, five, six, ten pages and screens until you complete what's on that screen. You can't just pick up and flip to the back. Oh, okay, there's 100 questions. All right. You don't see that when you're just on question one or two or three. And so you don't know what's the goal, what's the end, what's the completion. When will I, ha- when will I know that I have successfully completed this exam? If, you're all, if, if, you, if you can't see that, it's difficult. It's a challenge takes away a lot of that uh, skill, I would call it, to be able to say, here's what I have. I'm going to plan my time accordingly. I know I got 100 questions. I know I got 60 minutes. I better be doing this more than one question a minute. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I better stop wasting time thinking about this and get started. And my test-taking skills kick in. The problem is I can see that end at the beginning. But in my life, I have no idea what tomorrow holds. I have no idea what the end is going to look like. I don't know when I can say I've reached completion or perfection, as it calls it. So the good news is, not knowing those things, Paul wrote this book in Colossians 3. Let me tell you, since you can't see the end, since you can't attain that perfection at the end and just say, okay, day 5,000 in my life, I'm going to be perfect. It doesn't work that way. You're working on today. How do you get to perfection on day 5,000? You try to perfect today. Try to do the right today. You, and you leave the principles to try to perfect the right today. Put off these. Anger. I want to hand the, the microphone to Brother Martin and let him take over for a while. Just let him talk to us about anger for a little bit. How do I perfect anger? Put off anger. 
When do you, when do you stop having to put off anger? We'll, we'll just phrase it that way. You don't. You don't ever have to stop putting off anger. Because the moment you do, that one little button's going to get pushed. Ha! I'm angry again. I thought I was perfect. I thought I was completed. I thought I passed that, that test. And nope, nope. You just put it off again. Wrath, malice, blasphemy. You're putting these things off continually to reach the perfection. Filthy communication. Verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. So I've put off somebody and I've put on somebody. This, I, I'm just going to make this statement. I'm going to trust that it gets where it needs to be. The new man is perfect. Okay, hang on. Wait a second. We've got we to gotta backtrack that. We've got to reel that back because, uh, no, I, I, I've gone through the stages of the gospel and had them applied to my life, and I've had my sins forgiven, and I've had the Holy Ghost and I've been baptized and done all those things. So I thought that was the new man. That was the new creature. But here I am still imperfect. I'm, I can tell you I'm imperfect. Well, what I can tell you is you need to put the new man on again. It's that simple, really. You put the new man on again. If you have to go back, visit those previous verses. What did I put on that made me a part of the old man? Put it back off. We use that, that term put on, put off that's here in, in Colossians 3. We, we use that term in a different way in the church world. We call it repent. Seek forgiveness. Confess. And in doing so, I'm putting off and I'm putting on. Because, here, here's how I know that new man's perfect. What's the last part of this verse say? Who's it created after? The one that created me. The image of the one that created me. It's re- it says renewed after the one that created me. We call this, we say, put on Christ. Those that have put on Christ. As many, this is what scripture says, as many as have been buried with Christ have put on Christ. That's the new man. That's the, that's the one that's renewed in the image of the one that created, that is the creator. That's what I'm trying to attain. Verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Hang on. You're telling me God's not a Greek? You're telling me God's not a Jew? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Circumcision or uncircumcision. Barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Christ can reach that barbarian because he's all in all. He can reach the Jew because he's all in all. He can reach me because he's all in all. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, As the elect. So we talked about what we're putting off. The anger. All that evil. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Holy and beloved. Bowels of mercies. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Now this is, is, I'm telling you, what we're talking about is how to get to perfection. 
how to reach, how to attain, what things I'm supposed to leave behind and not fixate and focus on them. Because if I just wake up every day and try to recite what does it mean to, to repent, what does it mean to be baptized, what is that part of the, the, the foundation of the laying on of hands and those, if I just sit there and try to do that every day, every day, every day, I don't get to this stuff. I don't, I don't leave that and go on to this. It's a deeper walk. Before we go there, let me read you. I'm going to read Hebrews 6, verse 1 again in a couple of translations. We're going to come back here to verse 12. You can just leave that up there. Let us go forward then to mature teaching and leave behind us the first lessons of the Christian message. Let us go forward then to mature teaching and leave behind the first messages of Christian teaching. We should not lay again the foundations. The Amplified Version puts it this way. Therefore, let us get past the elementary stage in the teachings about Christ. I want to get past the elementary stage of the teaching about Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to be rude with this. But if you need the elementary teachings of Christ, they're going on downstairs. I'm trying not to be rude, I promise you. But that's where that, that's what is taking place at that level. The elementary teachings. The first thing. I, want, I don't expect my children to go home and be able to teach me about the doctrines of baptism in the same degree and to the same facet that we should be able to explain them. I shouldn't go down, I shouldn't expect my children to come home and say, tell me all about anger. Teach me an anger management class. No, come, come, I want you to come home. Tonight we're going to have a Bible study, Liberty, and you're going to teach us about malice. Or you're going to teach us what it means to put on Christ. It's not going to happen, right? But 20 years from now, 10 years from now, I should expect that progression to be a little further down the road than it is right now. And if I put that, follow me, if I put that expectation on my children and I don't put that expectation on myself, I'm a hypocrite. I'm not trying to be rude. But this is, this is the place I need to get in God. So Colossians 3.12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. These are characteristics of God. A lot of these, if we were talking about Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit, we see a lot of these repeated because this is His Spirit producing this in me. Just like what Brother Lewis said at the beginning, if he knows that we're hungry, how many are hungry? Raise your hand. I'm hungry, naturally. If he, if he knows that I'm hungry spiritually, and I trust him to produce these things just like he produced and fed a multitude of people. I should be able to I should be able to see these things start getting produced in my life. Kindness. Lord, I trust you to produce kindness in my life. I trust you to produce humility, humbleness of mind in my life. I want to put that on. 
And in doing so, where's, where's the, where's the uh, doctrine of repentance in that? The doctrine of uh, those foundational things. We're not talking about that anymore. Now I'm talking about the actual work I want him to do in my mind. Make me kind. Help me to be kind. I am putting on kindness. Humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Notice that forgiveness didn't make it into the list at uh, Hebrews chapter 6. The doctrines. Repentance did. The doctrine of repentance. Because we all have to start there. If we don't start at repentance, we're not getting any further. But forgiveness, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, that's something I have to work to get to. In perfection. In this journey, in this progression of my walk with God. It's, it should be a lot easier... It should be. I, I, don't, I want to emphasize that. It should be easier for me to forgive my brother of an offense now that I've been progressing in my walk with the Lord several years than it would have been on day one. On day one, what are you talking about, that guy, that lady? I, no, no. I, if I think about them, I can't even think about the Lord at the same time. Nope, it's not going there. I'm either going to think about how mad I am at them or I'm going to think about how much the Lord loves me, but I can't do both at the same time. Okay, well, that's day one. We'll work past that. What are we on now? Year 30? Have we worked past that? I'm not trying to be rude. I promise you. I love you. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Verse 14. And above all. Above all. Everybody say above all. Above the forbearing, above the forgiving, above the humility of mind, above all of those things. Put on charity. Which is... The bond of perfectness. That word perfectness is the same Greek word that's in Hebrews 6 1, going on to perfection. Put on charity. Let me let me let me just read this to you really quickly. So it's a definition of what that means to the the, per, the bond of perfectness. That which binds together, it even speaks of ligaments in the human body as an example. I've got these things. If, I, if my arm was, was just dangling here with no, no uh, ligaments holding it there, it's not bound to my body because the bond is missing. Okay? If it's not, then it can't perform its function. It can't do what it's supposed to do because the bond is is missing. It also says of the bond that in which all the virtues are so bound together that perfection is the result. So it's saying charity is the bond. It has every other virtue wrapped up in it so much that the result is perfection. Charity. If you get this charity thing right, this love thing right, you're pursuing that perfection. You're, 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 you're achieving that perfection. Above all of these things, put on charity. which is the bond of perfectness. I'm not going to take the time to go through 
everything that the Bible has to say about charity. I'm going to try to sum it up with this. Charity is real love. I didn't say charity is love. Charity is real love. It will cause you to love beyond any border. It will cause you to love beyond any uh, restraint or restriction. I love everybody except. I love most people. Or I love the neighbor that lives on the right. But this one on the left, I'm just going to focus on loving the one on the right. Charity is real love. When you reach that, you reach perfection. That's what that scripture says. Why don't you stand with me? I want you to look at verse 15 because verse 15 says some interesting stuff after we get this far. After I, after I know what I'm supposed to put off, and I've taken care of that, and I've put off the evil things of my evil nature, and I know the things of his nature I'm supposed to put on, and I get all that. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Well, I know we've talked a lot about peace before. Peace is the greatest thing you can experience in your own, in your own life. It comes with receiving the Holy Ghost, but it leaves just as easily when I allow it to. But when I've got it, it's the greatest thing on earth to have his peace in my life. Now, I mentioned this. It was almost comical the way that I said it about not loving the one neighbor on the one side. Let me tell you why. Because as long as you don't love that person, you don't have peace. You might have everything else right. Everything else that I've worked towards and attained and all this, I just have that one little, I'm just going to not address that one thing because everything else is great. Okay, but you don't have peace. Because what are you going to think about? You're not going to think about everything else that's right. In a trial, you're not going to think about listing those blessings. You're going to think about that one. It's not just a person. It doesn't have to be an individual. That one thing that's disturbing your peace. How did I get there? How did I get to the peace of God ruling? By putting on charity. By putting on love. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I really like this term that, that the scripture uses for rule. Brother Ethan, if you come and join me, you can play softly here. I like the term that it uses for the word rule because I can relate to this. Most of us uh, sports guys can relate to this because the term is umpire. Let the peace of God umpire your life. Your heart. What does that mean? What, is it, what, is it, what does it look like when I'm letting the peace of God umpire? Well, in my mind, because I played baseball, my mind immediately goes to the, an umpire in baseball. Calling balls and strikes. That's, that's basically what I think of an umpire doing. Pitch one, that's a ball. Pitch two, that's a strike. What... The spiritual correlation to that is life throws me a pitch. I let the peace of God tell me what to do with that. I let the peace of God rule that, call it what it is, and tell me what to do with it. The peace of God, not the wrath of God, not the anger of God or any of those things, the peace of God. When I have the peace of God ruling in my life, I get to partake of that peace. As soon as a pitch comes by or a, a rule that I don't like, 
an agreement that I don't that I don't like, I don't agree with, a judgment, a ruling, I have I have one of two options. I can I, I can complain about it, argue with it. Anybody ever argued with the umpire? You don't get far. I promise you. You're not going to change him. You're not going to change his mind. You might try to feel a little bit better about yourself, temporary relief, while as you're walking back to the bench. Oh, I let that umpire have it. I let that judge have it. I told him a piece of my mind. But what do I not have walking away from that situation? I don't have peace with that situation because I am still in conflict with him. But when we have this judgment or this ruling that I don't agree with, and rather than arguing, rather than complaining I just let the peace of the umpire rule I just let the peace I I rest with that let it be as it is that he calls it scripture says that he calls things that are not as though they were Think about that for a second. He calls the things that are not as though they were. Lord, I'm missing this in my life. I don't have this. I I, 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 I need, I've got a need here. I've got something that's not. And what does he do? He calls it as if it were. You have what you need. I will give you what, I know what you need. He's calling it even though it's not. The things that are not as though they were, that's what he's doing. That, and then, oh, that's a bad call, umpire. <laughs> that's a bad call. No, you got that one wrong. I don't want that attitude towards the Lord. I don't want that spirit towards the Lord. Lord, you got that one wrong. Sounds silly if we think of the sports analogy, but in the spiritual analogy, I'm not going to sit here and argue with God. Lord, you got that wrong. You, you called it wrong. You didn't know what I really needed. It's foolishness. I want to give us an opportunity to pray. I know the Lord is wanting to lead us on to the, these things, to perfection. Jesus, Lord, we seek you right now you want to come to the front, the altar is open. I encourage you to pray and seek the Lord. God, I want to put off the things of my old nature. I want to put off the things of my flesh, Lord Jesus. I lay them right now at your feet. Jesus, I leave them right now at your altar. Jesus, the anger, the malice, the wrath, anything that I've tried to carry, Lord, and rather than put off, Lord Jesus, I repent of it right now, God. Lord, I repent of it. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. God, and I thank you for where you're leading me from. I thank you, Jesus, the places that you're taking me to in my life, in my walk with you. God, I want your spirit to be made perfect in my life. I want your spirit, Lord Jesus, to to rule in my life. Jesus, the things that I need to put on. God, I want to make a conscious decision, a conscious effort right now, God, to put on kindness, to put on humility of mind. Jesus, I want to make the effort right now to put on charity. Lord, to know that your love is prevailing in my life. To know that the love for others, Lord Jesus, would prevail in my life, would lead me, would cause me to act, God to be my motivation for what I do. Let it be your real love, loving through me, Jesus.
talked about today, it's, it begins with repentance. Now, i got to be careful that that doesn't come across differently than what I mean it. Because in church, we often think of repent as asking for forgiveness. Those are two separate things. What we talked about today starts with repentance. Because repentance means to turn away from and turn towards. We're turning away from all of those things that we listed as evil, the things we're supposed to put off. We're turning towards the things we put on. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for your presence that's here today. 
God, I thank you for your blood that covers our sin. I thank you, Jesus, for the work of salvation that you're doing in every heart and every life today. Jesus, without you, we could never reach, we could never attain, Lord, these things that you're speaking about us today. But through you, God, through the work of your Spirit, you will continue to lead us. You will continue to perfect us, Lord Jesus. Only you know, Lord God, what the end result will be. But you've given us these tools, Lord Jesus. You've given us these directions, instructions today, God. I pray, God, through your grace that we would go on unto this perfection. That through your grace, Lord, we would move out from where we have been, Jesus, and move on to where you're calling us to go. In the name of Jesus, we long for it, Lord God. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, in your name. I want to I want to give you a challenge as we dismiss. What Brother Charles said was very true and very clear about who are who is our neighbor. And what the Bible says is the charity that we've talked about today is supposed to go to all of our neighbors. Everybody that we see, everybody that the Lord puts in our path. I feel the Lord challenging us today. If we want to see this, if we want to know that I, that we're moving in that direction, the challenge is look for where you can give charity. I'm not asking you to write a check. Okay? I'm not don't confuse that. We're not buying off some good feeling. We're giving charity to those that need it. Amen. The Lord will help us. He will show us who needs it and what they need. But the love, it starts with the, the love. So go out and we will look for people to love. Look for people to share this love with. In Jesus' name, greet one another and you're dismissed.